Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 239 of the podcast for January 18th, 2016. My guest today is Pascal Dennis, and I'm really honestly uh, quite surprised he's only been a guest once before. I thought it had been more than that. If you go back to episode 96, we were talking about one of his previous books, The Remedy, and you can find that episode by going to leanblog.org slash 96. Today, we're going to be talking about his excellent book, Lean Production Simplified. It is now out in a third edition from Productivity Press, which is the uh, same publisher as my books. Uh, his new edition has uh, more examples from healthcare. Pascal and I have been able to do um, some work together in that realm. Uh, Pascal is head of a consulting group called Lean Pathways. And uh, I really recommend Pascal and his work highly. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Here is Pascal. Thanks for being a guest again on the podcast. Thanks, Mark. It's always a pleasure. Looking forward to a good discussion. Yeah, likewise. Um, so we're here today primarily, well, I think we'll go into other topics, but we're going to talk about your new book, uh, Lean Production Simplified, or it's a new third edition. I've been, you know, it's been a favorite book of mine going back to the um, original edition. Um, you know, your background, of course, is um, at, at Toyota, and you know, I think the, the book is just very, very clear and a, a well-grounded um, you know, summary of, of, of what lean is. So um, maybe uh, first, you know, for, for people who might not be familiar with you, I, I should ask first, maybe, you know, talk a little bit about some of your background and experience and then, you know, talk about um, the third edition of, of the book, if you would. Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, like you, uh, I'm a professional engineer uh, and uh, I studied chemical engineering and uh, you know, my uh, um, initial uh, uh, work was in health, safety, and environmental engineering, and I joined uh, Toyota Motor Manufacturing in that capacity. And uh, I grew up there uh, professionally, um, and was lucky to have uh, you know very patient and good-humored senseis that uh, that taught me and and my colleagues the basics. Um, about 16 years ago, uh, I launched a, a coaching. Uh, uh, a team called Lean Pathways, and, and we've been lucky enough to work uh, uh, in a range of industries. The beginning with manufacturing, and then branching out into consumer goods and aerospace, and and nowadays uh, we do a lot of coaching in um, areas like healthcare, especially information technology, design, uh, a more um, uh, work up, upstream and downstream of operations, if you will. So it's been a, a marvelous uh, journey, a heck of a lot of fun. And uh, I've learned a ton, but uh, as, as the old adage goes, the more you learn, the more you, you realize you don't know. So I'm, I'm humbled <laughs> now more than I've ever been, I suppose. Yeah, and so and along the ways, you've had different experiences and worked with different people and learned different things. What, what are some of the main changes for the, uh, the third edition here? Well, as I um, as I said, as you and I have discussed a number of times, um, lean uh, thinking and methods are developing roots now um, uh, far beyond uh, manufacturing. Um, they're moving upstream and downstream of operations, for example, and into uh, sales and marketing, um, engineering, design, uh, downstream into uh, you know uh, a supply chain, 
retail, customer service, and they're also moving laterally into totally uh, different industries like healthcare uh, and, as I said, information technology. Um, and the um, first edition and the second edition were largely focused on uh, manufacturing, you know, the heartland, if you will, of lean. But increasingly, um, you know, as, as I work with people and my team works with people, it's clear that we need to translate um, what uh, Deming called the profound system of knowledge for our friends and colleagues in these other areas. So um, the book has many more examples from outside of the factory. Um, so, for example, what does quality in the process or judoka mean uh, in a healthcare uh, value stream? What does um, standardized work mean for a design team or for a, a surgical team? So uh, trying to shine a light on questions like that and, and help our, our, our colleagues in, in, in different industries thereby. Yeah, because, you know, lean production, I guess, uh, you know, people originally thought of it as being something for the factories, even within the manufacturing enterprise. But as, as yep. you're saying, you know, uh, lean becomes useful or as, you know, hopefully as there's a lean culture, that becomes more than uh, just a factory culture. Um, what are some of the things, you know, before, you know, I'd like to talk about healthcare and other industries, but what are some of the things that are interesting to you in terms of translating lean from the shop floor to other parts of a manufacturing enterprise or a business? I, I guess um, what's endlessly uh, fascinating for me is the, the following kinds of questions. How do um, core mental models change as you move upstream and downstream of operations? Um, how does the basic definition of value change? Um, you know, as our as our colleagues you know listening uh, will attest, lean begins by defining value, but what is uh, value for, say, an HR team or uh, a marketing team? Um, so, uh, you know, how do people think? What are their core mental models and assumptions about reality in these new areas? Um, how do they translate value? And then everything else opens up. So if we know what value is, how do we understand what waste is? How do we triage waste? Uh, and how do we apply the fundamentals, visual management, standard work, daily accountability, uh, so that we can achieve that value. And it, it's really uh, endlessly fascinating because there are no simple answers, you know, as you know. So in, in an area like uh, HR, you know, we talk about value and value is defined by the customer. I'm, I'm sure it gets complicated or confusing. HR is not working with the customers. I guess customers aren't willing to pay a surcharge for recruiting and hiring talent to then <laughs> add value. Um, do, do you view it or, or try to translate it and think about uh, HR's internal customers, or how, how would you talk through this idea of value with somebody who works in sort of an internal function like that? Yeah, that's a, a terrific question. Um, so let's, staying with HR, um, we ask, um, what is value for you all? You know, and so HR needs to ask its internal customers, to your point, um, what do you need from us? Uh, how can we help you? And also, uh, that's one vector. It's kind of like a in physics, it's a, the sum of vector forces. That's one important vector, the internal customer. Uh, the second vector is provided by senior management and their definition of purpose. You know, what are we trying to achieve as an organization? So the HR team needs to um, uh, reflect and process those two uh, vectors and turn uh, 
that reflection into a handful of, of critical few metrics and a simple statement of value. So, for example, uh, one answer could be, and this is the answer we came up with uh, uh, at uh, Toyota uh, Motor Manufacturing Canada in, in Cambridge. Um, value for us in HR is to uh, develop, uh, to just to hire, develop, and motivate uh, smart, flexible people who are always looking for a better way. And um, we were able to translate that simple statement of value and purpose uh, into a handful of core metrics and put them up on our daily team board and, and invite our customers, you know, uh, in, in a car plant that would be paint, plastics, assembly, the engine plant, and on a regular basis, uh, check you know, daily accountability and ask them, how are we doing? You know, how are we doing in terms of these key metrics? It's not an easy process and um, all the fundamentals apply. you got to go see. Um, you have to develop strong um, binary, in other words, okay, not okay, metrics and connections with your your customers. You got to be naked in a sense. You got to stand up in you know uh, uh, these areas and ask how are we doing. Have a target and an actual, and make the reds really clear, just like uh, our colleagues would do in uh, in final line assembly. You know, at the end of the day, at the money board, we stood there as a management team, and final line would. Uh, would tell all its internal customers what the hotspots were, where they met the target, where they didn't, and the uh, suppliers were supposed to come back with answers. So uh, the basics apply but uh, require finesse um, and courage, I think. Uh, and to achieve what I just described, you have to understand your, your mental models and deepen and extend them, uh, go see, uh, and uh, take some risks and have, you know, some people call it critical conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you talk about uh, mindsets and, and mental models. Um, I think that's one thing you've articulated really clearly. And you know, I would would invite people go to Pascal's website, and there's a, a series of cards that describe you know, sort of you know traditional mental models and lean mental models. And I, and I think those go to show how lean is not about how do we build cars better, but it really is you know a, a different. Way of thinking, a different way of managing and leading, you know, a different type of of organization. Um, is there one of those you know comparisons uh, of of those mental models that stands out to you as being you know maybe maybe let's talk about healthcare a little bit. You know, one of those that's most interesting to talk through with people in healthcare, the the, the before and after type comparison. Boy, that's. Uh... That's a very juicy uh, question, <laughs> Mark. Uh, I I spend uh, most of my personal practice, I think, is coaching senior executives and working through uh, questions just like that. So, some of the mental models that that uh, are relevant and, and require deep reflection um, are, the, I guess, the first one is um, in healthcare, uh, senior leaders, uh, with the best of intentions, tend to view uh, improvement. Uh, as a result of of them, you know, improvement happens when people just like me come up with fiendish plans, and everybody else does as they're told. <laughs> you know, and you yeah. you've seen it, yeah. And it's not ill will, no. And these are not bad people, but that's just no. the way they were taught in in medical school or w- whatever practice they they came out of. So, sh- shifting from that image to improvement uh, occurs when we define purpose 
in a clear and compelling way, identify what's preventing us from achieving purpose, mm -hmm. develop one-page plans for eliminating those obstacles, and then, most important of all, involving everybody in the organization in fixing their requisite part of that overall elephant, if you will, uh, yeah. we call purpose. And that's just a fundamentally different way of, uh, of thinking, you know. And again, it's not ill will, it's not lack mm -hmm. of capability. Um, but it takes humility. Uh, one of the core themes in, you know, in Lean Simplified and, and, and all my books, I think, is the need for the personal change and personal growth, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, I think, maybe we can delve into, I, I was going to ask you, when, when you mentioned uh, a daily accountability process uh, and some of the old habits, maybe not just in healthcare, but, um, you know, it, it, Unfortunately, a lot of times you know, people use the word accountability. We need more accountability. We need people to be accountable. We need to hold people accountable. I, I, I try <laughs> to ask, well, what, what, tell me more about that. What do you, what do you mean? Because like, you know, to me, that word has a lot of potential meanings. Um, some of the, the old habits in healthcare, like you said, this is just you know, the way people have been taught. Accountability means, uh, as they say in healthcare, naming, blaming, and shaming. It's, it's very much kind of focused <laughs> on, you know, uh, punishment as opposed to, you know, I think uh, the, the question you brought up, uh, having a discussion around what's preventing us from accomplishing our goals, what's preventing us from uh, eliminating harm. So I'd be curious for you to, you know, maybe kind of talk through how you would describe accountability or a daily accountability process uh, in, a, in a lean context? Um, yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, another really good question. Uh, and as you were speaking, I thought it's so um, tricky because words have different meanings t to you and I, for example, than they might have to, to someone who uh, was trained in yeah, as a surgeon or something. So for me, accountability and daily accountability means each unit in the hospital, in the factory, in the uh, design team, um, has a daily stand-up meeting wherein we look at target versus actual of uh, uh, with respect to our end-of-pipe targets. So it could be throughput, for example, or cost, as well as process targets. So if it's a design process, you know, how are we doing at phase one, two, three? And uh, so A, how are we doing? B, what are our biggest problems? C, what are our current countermeasures uh, and are the plans on track? Those kinds yeah. of questions. And underlying that is the understanding that we have really good people yeah. and our people are not the problem. The problem is almost always uh, in the process. So there's a, a good humor, uh, there's a humanity, and there's, uh, I call it a light touch, you know, as we had at Toyota. Whereas for other folks um, that grew up in a different mindset, for them, accountability means just what you said. Who's responsible and how will we punish them? <laughs> so that's where that one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I, I know you do a lot of coaching yourself, that's where that one-on-one -on -one coaching is so vital because a senior leader needs to be vulnerable and open, but they can't do that given their position in a broad, in, in a big public context. There needs to be one-on-one -on -one time to, to water drop those key lessons. And at some point, they have that eureka, and then everything opens up. But without that kind of discussion, these simple words have very different meanings. And, you know, I, you know, uh, uh, just a very quick story. Uh, this was chief operating officer, very capable, good person. And as we started our coaching work together, she emphasized accountability. we got to have accountability. And I said, well, how are you going to do that? 
Well, you know, um, it's your show. That's what I tell our front line. It's your show. You, you, you figure it out. It's your mm-hmm. show. And then I talked to the front line, and I said, well, so-and-so says, you know, it's your show, and th- th- uh, thereby, uh, you know, you're totally involved and empowered. And they said, no, 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 we're not empowered. Mm-hmm. And accountability is shame and blame. Basically, we're abandoned. We've been abandoned here working in this awful system, lack of processes, and my span of control is 50. I remember a nursing manager telling me that. <laughs> yeah. So you can see the kind of icky situations that can arise. You know, so you know habits like that are um, are tough to. Or, you know, it's difficult to break some of those habits. I, I was uh, in episode two thirty six was a, a conversation with John Toussaint, and and he was talking about you know and he he's been in their shoes as a former hospital CEO, but he was saying you know part of the challenge he sees is that a lot of the hospital CEOs don't know what they don't know. They don't know what what the, what the problem is, or it, it can be difficult or, or perhaps, you know, as you say, with a light touch, how, how do you help people see where, you know, habitual behaviors can be counterproductive or if they have an incorrect view, their mental model of the organization, as you said, is, oh, my, my people are empowered. They should go and fix things. And if they don't, shame <laughs> on them. That, yeah. that might not really be, uh, be accurate. I mean, how, do you have any tips for people who are trying to have some of these discussions with executives? You can't be as blunt, I don't think, as to say, hey, you're wrong, buddy. <laughs> you know, uh, that, yeah. Maybe you yeah, can. I wish... I, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Yeah, I mean, right. occasionally, yeah. uh, I call it showing the sword. You know, uh, I come out of a Japanese and martial <laughs> arts tradition, so I think of things in terms of swords. So occasionally you show the sword <laughs> and say, look, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but But in private and respectfully. So um, that's such a such a critical point. I, you know, how do senior leaders or any any person, how does any person change their thinking? It has to be through practical experience. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and repetitions. So I call it drip, 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 drip. So in, in my coaching, uh, we have lots of go see, lots of uh, repetition in different forms. So it's. Um, you know, slightly different, slightly fresh repetition in terms of uh, also visiting other workplaces, talking with peers that have been through the uh, um, the journey. Um, you know, a lot of reading. You know, these are very smart people, so I regularly will highlight. Look, there's a piece in HBR about how the brain is structured and what it means with respect to uh, visual management. Here's another piece uh, from so and so about uh, this or that. And over time, and you know the old marketing adage, you got to hear it seventeen times. It's probably not far off. <laughs> um, now, having said that, it's also important to develop a personal relationship, as you know, and trust, mm-hmm. um, so that the senior leader knows that I can trust this person. You know, Mark has my back, and he's trying to help me become a better leader and help us achieve our goal. So, if he's giving me a little bit of tough medicine right now, or you know, showing me stuff I'm uncomfortable about, I know that at the end of the day, uh, the motivation is noble and I'm getting better, you know. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, having practical pilots that generate results, I think that's very important, you know. Yeah, so uh, maybe I want to come back to um, some of that discussion around daily accountability and, and those cycles, because, you know, what you're describing in hospital departments and, and within teams. Also, uh, 
cascades at different levels of the organization. I think I've heard you describe this as sort of a fractal process. Yeah. Um, can, can you talk about how that accountability is, is modeled at, um, at different levels of the organization? So um, we have normally uh, the management system um, I conceive of as having at least three levels, level one being uh, the front line, the daily team huddle, the daily accountability. Level two um, is the people that they report to. So in a hospital, it would be, you know, directors and senior managers. And then level three would be senior management. Um, and in each case, the daily, the, the accountability process looks something like this. Although I should say that the frequency of the check um, varies as you go up because the gear gets bigger the uh, check is less frequent it's not dissimilar to uh, an NFL football team um, front line would be you know uh, the offensive line defensive line linebacker coaches etc those are front line units so they check every play or maybe after every series whereas the entire coaching staff because it's a big group they probably check at the beginning of the game, at halftime, and at the end of the game. In any event, um, so in a hospital, let's say we're the blood bank team, we need a daily check, a daily accountability based on that good connection with our customers. So who's the customer? Well, it's clearly OR and um, ED and others. So what do you need from us, OR? Well, we need this mix of blood plasma, that volume, this turnaround time, we need you to meet national quality and safety standards. Okay, got it. Now let's boil those down into a handful of metrics. And at the beginning of the day or being the shift, let's stand up as a team and see what happened last week, what's going to happen this week, what are the watchouts, what are the biggest problems, um, you know, what are our improvement focuses based on, you know, true north and, and senior leaders' definition of purpose. So every day we do that and uh, we stand up. And say we're okay, we're not okay. Here's what, you know, what's the problem? What are the top problems? What's the countermeasure? What's the status of the countermeasure plan? And you uh, ideally, over time, you invite your customers. So you say to OR, you know, or emergency department, well, please feel free, you know, uh, to, to join us. On Fridays, we invite our internal customers and let us know how you're doing. Similar process uh, at level two and level three, with a number of subtleties in there. So. Um, Level two, for example, uh, usually we check um, less frequently because we're looking more at flow problems. So um, let's say we've got a, a major care line, you know, beginning with ED and uh, through surgical services and ending with discharge. Well, normally, uh, you know, those kinds of value stream Kaizen's, um, uh, you know, until slower uh, progress and the me the metrics change more slowly. So maybe we meet twice a week or something like that. But the same kind of thing. And at senior leadership, um, again, because we're, uh, you know, like the coaches of, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, we it's a big team. We probably won't be checking every play. So mm -hmm. we may not be checking every day, but we certainly would be checking uh, once a month or, or something like that. So you build this system of connected checking and accountability defined per our earlier discussion in it, you know, informed by core mental models. We know we got good people. Mm -hmm. We know that the problem is almost always in the process. Right. Um, we know that problems are telling us where the system is broken, so problems are, are golden, etc. You know, and then 
you have a chance. You're in the game. It's it's not easy. Life is very hard, and management's hard. But you're in the game. Well, it, it seems you know what, what you described. There's a very similar thought process, a similar set of questions, and it, it seems like you know that is a good way for senior leaders to learn about lean mindsets instead of thinking, well, you know, the, all these departments need to change and they all need to start thinking differently. They, yeah. they can go through that same process and then hopefully serve as coaches and, and mentors to others that are trying to practice uh, that same approach, right? Yeah, that's, that, that's such a great insight. Um, and at some point, you know, really good leaders l lock in the following lesson. I am doing the same thing that my team is doing. In fact, what I do is replicated a hundred times. So for example, and this one is a very common one in healthcare, if I as the COO or the chief strategy officer or what have you, uh, continually jump to countermeasures without understanding the problem, mm. everybody's going to do that. So I remember having that discussion with a chief strategy officer at a you know, big, big successful, you know, very good hospital and we were talking about growth, one of their core um, the strategic focuses and uh, he had a eureka to his great credit he said you know all these years I've been jumping to countermeasures my assumption has been mm -hmm. growth follows growth profitability etc follows um, when we uh, open up more clinics that's the way you grow by opening up clinics and I've never tested that hypothesis we've never had a pilot we just do it and our results are haphazard there's no evidence that <laughs> This works, and that just shows his growth and his, uh, you know, his intelligence and uh, mm -hmm. capability as a person. You know, because people are people. We make these mistakes, but the best people recognize them and, and they get better. So he's he's a much better leader now. Yeah, and that's a, a powerful um, example of, of of reflection for someone to you know, have an aha moment. Um, you know, which happens a lot through. The, the study and the practice of lean, um, you know, being exposed to other leaders who have maybe gone gone before them in making that transition. I mean, you yep. know, John, John Toussaint is, you know, I think uh, shows a lot of humility by, you know, sort of trying to tell other healthcare executives, hey, I didn't always magically think this way. I used to be, you know, what he calls a white coat leader, um, <laughs> yep. which has most of the habits, I think, that are the mental models. Um, you know, that, that you talk about in, in traditional organizations. But, you know, he says, you know, he was fortunate um, to have coaches and mentors and people who taught him or kicked him in the butt or what have you. Um, you know, the, the plant manager, one of the, one of the two plant managers I worked for at General Motors uh, 20 years ago was also a very traditional style of manager. And, and I got to talk to him a couple of years ago you know, and uh, kind of asking him to reflect. And he said, well, you know, he was fortunate to have experience at NUMI. You know, he was one of the first GM people huh. to be sent to NUMI who learned, you know, the Toyota style and, and, and approach. And, and he went through a trans transformation, uh, you know, in, in his own approach. And I think, you know, one thing he taught me, which I didn't see at the time, was the need to be patient with the other leaders there at GM. Because I, I sort of asked him, like, you know, you know, uh, Larry, you really tolerated a lot of bad behavior from the leaders who reported to you, it seemed like, you know, we had a plant manager who got it, if you will. And we still had, you know, uh, assistant plant managers running around yelling and screaming and spitting and swearing and stomping oh. their feet. And he said, well, you know, you have to, you know, you have to realize that that those leaders didn't have the benefit of the experience that that he had. And 
that it, you know, fair enough, you know, he wasn't going to replace everybody overnight, nor were they going to um, transform immediately. That's, that's such a that's such a great story, Mark. Uh, it brings to mind uh, one of my reflections, uh, you know, the past twenty years, and that is, uh, a transformation is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, transformation hurts, and um, we partially succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, Larry reflects that we partially succeed. That's a, a very humane response, because he could have just, uh, as you said, yelled and screamed and and fired people. And my guess is that his people will get better. Because they're in a humane uh, environment, and uh, you know, uh, we partially succeed. At nobody is perfect at this, including Toyota. It's the nature of uh, transformation. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's difficult, and you know, we try to be aware of uh, bad habits. You know, I, I sometimes notice my own brain uh, going in the direction of blaming an individual for something. And, you know, you try to catch yourself and say, well, wait a minute, you know, that's, uh, it's a very human habit to jump to conclusions, to jump to blame. And, you know, we yeah, can be, me too. We, we can be more mindful of it. Right. Yeah, me too. It's yeah. uh, it's a daily meditation. It's, I, I find it hard <laughs> yeah. like everybody, you know? Um, yeah. So, well, let, let's, let's talk a little, a little bit more specifically, um, about the book again, it's lean production simplified, um, the new third edition. Uh, who who would you say the book is is written for? It you know what what people and what types of roles um, you know who who do you think um, the the readers should or would be ideally? Well, um, it's written for um, you know leaders at all levels, you know, frontline, middle level leaders, senior leaders. Um, one of the additions is uh, study questions at the end of uh, each chapter. So. My image is that you know a team leader in in any industry might uh, you know take their uh, team members through a chapter and then they have a study group. Um, it's meant to be a practical um, uh, daily uh, reference. You know, I like to see uh, copies of it. You know, on on the uh, on the desk of the uh, lab technician or uh, you know the maintenance tech or. In somebody's uh, uh, somebody's uh, cubicle in the IT or engineering department, and I like to see it with scribbles and you know notes uh, in the margins and so on. So it's written as a practical guide for for reg- regular people, um, you know, uh, to to pull on whenever they need. And are there, you know, it's always interesting to see when you you see a book on a desk, and you know, uh, it's always good to see a copy that looks well read, and you know. Um, you know, think of what well, what happens with that with that book. Um, you know, do you have recommendations of you know how people use a book like yours um, with with within the workplace? Um, you know, hopefully beyond just their own personal learning. But do do you see do you have advice for you know how people can translate that into action in the organization? I thought a lot about that. Uh, you know, how do people use this? How to make uh, this book or any book as helpful as possible. Some of the things that uh, I found to be helpful, uh, and it's kind of nerdy, but it works, like a book club, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, We have a book club, and we read a chapter um, a week, and maybe have uh, lunch together, or spend an hour uh, in some afternoon, and we talk about the questions at the end of the uh, uh, chapter. Another common use is uh, what I call lunch and learns. So um, I'm a team leader in 
uh, you know, uh, a laboratory in a hospital. And part of my goal this year is to engage our team and to level up their knowledge of the fundamentals. So um, we'll do a lunch and learn on Chapter 4, you know, quality in the process. And uh, part of the lunch and learn is a short lesson. And then we, we go out and take a walk, different parts of our lab, and we identify um, you know, what kind of embedded tests do we currently have in our process? What are the biggest risks with respect to uh, satisfying our customers? So, for example, labeling is a big one. Okay, mislabeling has potentially catastrophic consequences. Uh, let's all take a walk and assess the robustness of our current uh, process based on what we've just learned. Um, so, um, activities like that make uh, the concept whether it's quality in the process or standard work, real. Um, and uh, people like reporting out. Uh, and next step after that is to uh, introduce some basic improvement methodology uh, like quick and easy Kaizen. Um, and you can use uh, chapters as a theme. So this month's theme is quality in the process. Let's see if we can come up with as many ideas as we can in our lab to strengthen our processes, so improve the labeling, improve the, uh, you know, uh, our high runner processes, improve lead time, or whatever um, our customers are telling us we need. So in that way, it becomes a real thing. And, uh, you know, as you know, um, lean methods are a lot of fun. You know, uh, <laughs> you, you get away from your normal work. Here I am, I'm processing urine samples or you know, biopsies, and I get an hour, and I and uh, I zoom out, and I look at the entire lab, and I say, hey, you know, why have we got this layout here? You know, quality in the process means uh, safety as well. So all these islands here and, you know, this crazy spaghetti that we have to walk means that it's more likely I'm going to drop the sample or I'm going to contaminate it, and it's toxic chemicals and, you know, infectious agents. Why don't we da 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 you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so you know, that talk and that discussion about the concepts hopefully leads into identifying uh, some things we can fix. What can we make better? Yeah, exactly right. And uh, again, the underlying message is uh, we got a good team. I have faith in you. I, I, I'm really interested in what you all are going to come up with. Oh, boy, you know. And, you know, if senior leaders can supplement that with, with good in, internal rounding practices and you know, in the book I described Kamishibai, you know, this visual signboard that allows mm -hmm. you as a leader to to um, structure your month, you know. So, you know, Mr. Watanabe at uh, Toyota Cambridge uh, during major launches, he had an internal algorithm informed by his Kamishibai. Uh, Mondays he was checking stamping, Tuesdays welding, Wednesdays paint, Thursdays plastics, Friday assembly. And within that there was an algorithm. So... Four Mondays in uh, January, I'm going to check zone A, B, C, D in uh, in the stamping plant. And I'm going to have different themes. You know, it's early in the launch, so standardized work is fundamental. So I'm going to use my standard work, Kamishi buy card, that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. and so then the message to the team is, holy cow, the boss was here, you know, and she said da-da-da-da-da, and she commended us on our improvements in cycle time and, and, and labeling, and she gave us some real good challenges, and it's just a different feeling. You know, people feel like, "Wow, this is great," and, and their lives are happier. You know? Yeah. 
Well, and, and that whole process of, as I said, you know, accountability from a positive standpoint. What, what, what are the barriers? You're trying to do good work. How can I help yep. you? We're going to accomplish this together. Is a very different mindset than, you know, the, you know, again, I'm having my flashbacks to GM. You know, we didn't hit the goal, <laughs> so we're going to yell and scream and spit and swear and lecture people for not having enough sense of urgency, which, well, that was not, that was not really the bottleneck. <laughs> it was not <laughs> the problem. It's funny when you think of it. You know? Well, it is in a way, but um, <laughs> um, but you know, thank you, know, th thank you for sharing um, you know those those stories and perspectives, not just in the book, but um, in in our discussion here today. And the, the other thing I was going to ask you here before we wrap up, um, third edition is available now. Can you give a bit of a preview of a, a teaser of? a new book that's going to be available here sometime in 2016. Uh, yeah, um, I just finished uh, the third installment in the adventures of Tom Pappas and Andy Saito. Uh, it's called Andy and Me and the Hospital. Uh, if you're familiar with Andy and Me, uh, uh, Tom is a plant manager with problems and Andy is his Japanese sensei. And in the latest uh, adventure, they are pulled into a major uh, New York hospital that has real problems and um, all hell breaks loose uh, mm. and the boys figure it out uh, and uh, hopefully uh, people will like it. I certainly very much enjoyed reading it and it's written for all our friends and colleagues that are, uh, you know, fighting the good fight in healthcare and uh, against, uh, you know, challenges, not ill will, but certainly unhelpful mental models and uh, I hope they, they like it and uh, hope that it's helpful. Yeah, and, and the story, it's written in a, a, a novel format, which brings those, uh, those stories to life in a different way, right? Exactly right. Uh, and one of the underlying themes is that uh, a personal change uh, is fundamental to uh, an organizational transformation. So I try to show, you know, from the perspective of different people in the hospital and from Tom and Andy, the senseis, what sort of change is required, not only, you know, senior leaders, but also in the senses. I mean, Tom and Andy have to change their thinking. They have to grow as well, you know, um, uh, to help this hospital uh, achieve uh, success in the face of very difficult problems. So it's it's not just, uh, you know, uh, the leaders. It's, you know, the sensei has to be alive and, and mm -hmm. changing it, growing and challenging themselves too, which is very tough. It is, but I'll, um, yeah, very much look forward um, to, to that book. Um, being available mid mid 2016, or uh, it's hard to well, give an exact date with publishing. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we we were talking about the value stream and publishing <laughs> earlier. Uh, hopefully uh, spring. That's the target. Uh, hopefully April, but uh, we'll work uh, with our colleagues and, and get it out ASAP. Okay, and, and I imagine people could probably just jump in and 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 read that book, or they they I guess while they're waiting for this one, they could read. The original Andy and Me, and then The Remedy was the second book in that series, correct? Yeah, um, that would certainly would prime them, and I think it would be helpful for all folks. And I, I, I hopefully it's an easy, fun read. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's based on real people that, that I've worked with for years. Uh, it's fiction, of course, but the situations are, are not. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, by all means, folks, um, Andy and Me. Uh, and uh, the remedy are the uh, precursors to Andy and me in the hospital. So but feel free. Okay. Well, great. And uh, certainly hope people will look up those books. Uh, there's uh, people can look on Amazon. Um, 
Pascal has a very uh, good summary page with a list of all of his books and, and videos and, and his bio. What are some other ways that people can find you online, Pascal? Um, well, you know, uh, we encourage people to uh, check out blogs. I always uh, uh, say check out the Lean blog. Don't miss one. And, and you know, uh, we uh, we also have a blog at Lean Pathways. Mm -hmm. So uh, leansystems.org blog, uh, it, you know, we try to keep people engaged that by mm -hmm. thereby um and you know there's a linkedin uh, uh lean pathways uh, executive forum please feel free to join a lot of really good people and great discussions um and of course the amazon page and tons of youtube videos you know uh, we got a very good uh uh social media team so mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> Yeah, so feel free again, folks. Yeah, well, um, thank you again. Our, our guest has been Pascal Dennis. Uh, Pascal, it's really been a pleasure talking to you and, and catching up and hearing some of your thoughts. So thanks again for being a guest. My pleasure. Thank you so much, and have a, a wonderful Christmas. Uh, folks, have a great, happy holiday, and uh, here's to a prosperous 2016. Great, and uh, same to you and, and to yours. Thanks, Pascal. Thanks. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.